Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Women's Hoop Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have our longtime panelist, Brooke Minnick, with us. Brooke, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Can't believe the season is winding down. And thanks for having me on again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, crazy that it's already happened, right? It's like, wow, we're there. This is it. You know, this is the final weekend for for women's hoops. And so uh, excited to kind of see how things shake out. And of course, watch the ladies play up in Boise. Uh, we also have with us tonight, uh, once again, from the Signpost's very own Simon Mortensen. Simon, thanks so much for taking some time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm pretty excited for this one. I, uh, I get to go up to Idaho and watch them play there. And so I saw their first game of the season, did an interview there, and we'll get to do their last game of the season. So, yeah. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a, a good tournament this year, both on the men's side. We talked a lot about that last night for the men's show. And now I think it's going to be a good tournament here. Uh, once again, I think that anybody can beat anybody. You know, nobody's invincible this season. Um, and so uh, it should should make for good basketball up in Boise on both sides, uh, both the women's and the men's. Uh, before we get into that, though, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up on today's show. Um, we're going to be doing a game recap. We're going to talk a little bit about the game against Portland State in the Purple Palace uh, on Thursday. And then, of course, the game against Northern Arizona. Arizona on Saturday. Then we're doing some Big Sky Bracketology. The conference put out the most recent bracket uh, if the conference tournament were to start today. So we're going to put that up on the screen and talk through that scenario a little bit and talk about where the Wildcats stand currently. Uh, things that could happen where they might move. Um, but yeah, so we can we can go through all of that. But uh, before we do, I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all great places to interact with the Weber State, uh, to get Weber State Weekly in your ears. And please rate us there. Uh, rating us and uh, reviewing us helps us climb in the rankings and gives us an opportunity to find our way into the, into the ears of more Wildcat fans, wherever they may be. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter are a great place to inter- interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially with the conference tournament coming up. We'll likely be doing some Twitter spaces to talk about uh, some of the things that are happening in Boise. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to make the trip, which makes me really sad because this year is going to be absolutely dynamite. But uh, hit us up on Twitter. We'll, we'll be out there. And of course, there's our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Uh, become a patron and support us. You can get in our game day Slack channel, but also uh, find your way into some exclusive content that we have posted only on Patreon right now. And most of that deals with the the football 2022 recruiting class. So patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly to become a patron and get access to that content. And then finally, we're going to shout out our sponsor tonight, Studio 98. If you're looking for a ring that isn't run of the mill, check out Studio 98. They're a local jeweler run by a fellow Wildcat who's also a former football player. He loves the purple and white just as much as you and I do. So check out their website. It's studio98.com. That's studio N-I-N-E and the number eight dot com. Check out their beautiful rings and be sure to check out that flying W special. The one I have on my ring right here on my finger. It's a beauty and uh, everybody loves a flying W. So uh, get one of those for your finger as we get ready for football season because that flying W is coming back. So be ready. All right, folks, uh, we got through the intro to the show. Let's talk now a little bit about the games last week. Um, Portland State came to town to face the Wildcats. Do Portland State does not have a conference win this season. So this was a game that was like, okay, there have been a lot of close losses for the Wildcats. Um, need to make sure you take care of business here against this team. Not that they were going to fall any further. The Wildcats right now, the 10th out of 11 seeds. I mean, the worst team in the conference is the Portland State Vikings. Even if the Wildcats had lost the game, they weren't necessarily going to fall any further. But if they did win, they'd give themselves potentially an opportunity at the nine seed. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the game because the Wildcats ended up getting the dub 
uh, beating the Vikings pretty handily. Uh, they beat them 73 to 65. It, it really was never in doubt, especially after that second quarter. Um, but first question I have here in, in my rundown to talk about this game was we were in the 10 spot. Uh, or, or, whoops. Sorry. No. Uh, first stat that stood out to me, only five wildcat turnovers in this game. I mean, an absolutely terrific job of taking care of the ball. I mean, why were they so successful in holding on to the ball? You know, because we talked about turnovers throughout the season. What was it about this game that made them able to hold on to the ball, not turn it over, and really, you know, get the most out of it? Um, well, I think one of the things is especially just with um, how Portland State plays and everything like that. Um, they, uh, they don't shoot where it, like, really low shooting percentage. Had a pretty good night from the three, actually. Um, it was one of those things where especially, like, um, the longer the longer you have the ball in your hands, you know, obviously the less turnovers you're gonna or like, you know, sometimes the more turnovers you can make. But um it's one of those things where um I think they were able to play a little bit more disciplined against this team, able to use their bigs a little bit more efficiently because they kinda they kinda came out with three guards and everything like that on Portland State. It's one of those things that helps is when you're getting those high percent shots, everything like that. I mean eighty two point eight from the free throw, um thirty eight point six from field goal range, everything like that. Um, I think it's just one of those things where um, they're able to use their bigs a little bit better and control the ball a little bit more and force every percent shots and get the ball inside. Yeah, Brooke, what about you? I mean, what did you feel about the, the taking care of the ball, but also, like Simon talked about, you know, the Wildcats shot a fairly good percentage, even though the Portland State shot a pretty good percentage from three, they still were not able to, you know, make up that deficit that they dug themselves into after the second quarter. Um, I think maybe they had just a little bit of con- like not a little bit of confidence. They had some confidence. I think maybe going in there like, Hey, this is a game we need. We have to win. There's no excuses. And I think maybe just playing more confident than maybe other games. Um, it's crazy. They only had five. That's awesome. But um, I, I think it kind of like Simon said, just taking better shots and, you know, running their plays, maybe, um, I don't know. I I think the biggest thing is maybe confidence and knowing that they better win that game. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's a maxim over here at Weber State Weekly. Gotta beat, do not lose to the green teams in the Big Sky Conference. That includes Cal Poly, Portland State, and Sac State. Don't lose to them, folks. Always. Purple should always be besting the green teams. So... <laughs> That's what happened this night. And, you know, talking about confidence, it really feels like, and we'll talk a little bit about this in the next game as well against Northern Arizona, but Darren Hickok and, and Corey Pence are really finding a lot of confidence this week. Uh, in this game in particular, Corey, out there, shooting the ball well. I mean, in this game, she shot 50%. She was 5 of 10, 3 of 5 from 3, had 15 points. Darren, of course, has been very, very consistent. We've talked about that on the show. 10 for 10 from the free throw line. Um, I think that... You know, the disappointment of losing that Northern Colorado game in overtime, you know, had she made those those at least one of those critical free throws there at the end of the game, you know, that would have been a dub sealed. And so it feels like Darren is a player who sees that and put the work in and she was absolutely perfect from the free throw line, but also shot four of six uh, from the field, ending up with 18 points. Um, Darren and and Corey played with uh, with an awful lot of confidence in this one. And I mean, it's nice to see that going into the conference tournament. I mean, your thoughts mm-hmm. on Darren and Corey's play in this one. And then, you know, of course, in the Northern Arizona game as well. 
Yeah, I like what Corey did in this game, um, specifically because it's kind of one of those subjects we've brought on a few times in the show. Um, this game, it felt like we got that, you know, senior experience we really have, have like, wanted from her um, this entire season. I love that, you know, she was able to dominate from three like she's supposed to. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the things. Weaver State currently is the worst three-point shooting team in the entire big sky. There's no doubt about it. Um, and it's one of the things, like, one of the reasons why we've been having so many close games we just lost because we can't. We can't get anything from beyond the arc. Um, so when she is able to get stuff from beyond the arc, that's when we're seeing these wins come in. That's when we're seeing, like, you know, these leads pull through. And so I really like that about this performance from her, especially, is that's what we need to do to win the conference. You know, that's what we need to do to win the tournament. And she just needs to light up from three like she, like she did in this game and light up from everyone on the floor. So. Right. I mean, Brooke, the game that you and I went to against Montana in the Purple Palace in December, uh, Corey was on in that game, right? Like she was absolutely knocking down those threes. And so good to see her maybe get a little bit of confidence as we go in. Cause I really think that Corey is the X factor for this team. Would you agree, mm-hmm. Brooke? Yeah, definitely. I think when she's on, she, she can be the star of the team. I mean, especially cause I know Emma takes a lot of threes too, but it seems like, I don't know, Corey, especially being a senior, maybe, Having her on will kind of spark the rest of the team going into the tournament. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we've talked a lot about close losses this season and there have been a number, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think that when she's able to play well, that's the difference for the Wildcats because we know we're going to get consistent production out of Darren Hickok. She's been Mm -hmm. missed consistency the entire season. She's been really great. Jade Matthews, we know she's going to clean up on the boards. Uh, it feels like as the season has worn on, you know, offensively, she hasn't quite had the output that she did at the beginning of the season, but she's always very physical, always there, and she's really good around the basket. So good at cleaning up some of those those missed shots and getting good putbacks or getting put on the foul line. And then, of course, Emma Torbert, who has, you know, the size down, down low, who has really worked on her game to be that presence in the paint and be effective around the paint. Plus, like you mentioned earlier, that three point shot, which she has been very effective. Um, I look at those three and it's like, I know that I'm going to get double digits out of those three players, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that will put the wildcats over the top is Corey Penser coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to contribute in double digits as well. And I think that if those four ladies score in double digits, the wildcats probably have, I would say, a, a better than 80% chance of beating anybody, right? Yeah, like, definitely. Like, like there are things there, of course, like circumstances where they may not, mm-hmm. but I just feel really, really confident if all four of those ladies are in double digits scoring, um, good things are are happening offensively. Because I feel like in those losses, that's where the Wildcats have struggled is, okay, maybe too many turnovers, Maybe the offense was struggling a little bit and it's the inability to create shots or for shots to go down that makes the difference. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's good to see Corey Penser really starting to get some momentum going as we get ready to hit Boise. Um, Last thing I wanted to talk about here, that fourth quarter was, was kind of weird because the Wildcats, it was the only quarter that the Wildcats, you know, were outscored in and they were only outscored by two points. And so you look at the shot, Wildcats, you know, they end up shooting two of 14. They shot just 14% from the field. They were 0 of 2, but they were 11 of 16 from the line. So they get, you know, they get 15 points. Um, and, you know, the Vikings really only make headway on their 
on their deficit by just those two points, right? And so the Wildcats end up winning by eight. But I mean, two fourteen, man. Like, what's what's up with that? Like, that was really weird. I mean, is that is that fouling or? I mean, any, I mean, you guys watched the game. Like, what did you think? Like, what what caused that two of fourteen? Yeah, I think one of those things, especially when you get like that ratio and everything in there. Um, one of the big things is Weaver is dominated by you know forwards, um, people play inside, everything they got. And that's one of the things, especially in the fourth quarter, you've noticed this in other games before. Like they'll have the lead coming into the third or fourth, they'll be really close. Um, and the thing is they get scared of that now. Um, it was like what we saw in the NAU game. That's exactly why they, we'll get to that later, obviously, but that's one of the reasons why they lost was because two people fouled out. Um, and so the less aggressive they're able to play in that fourth quarter, that's kind of where their weakness comes in. So just, they just can't play as aggressive as they were in previous quarters because they have to stay in the game. Yeah, maybe play a little bit soft. Brooke, any final thoughts on the Portland State game before we move on to talk about NAU? Um, no, I, I think Portland state is a little, is better than their record shows. I think I got a little scared in that fourth quarter, but we pulled it out and I think it does help free throws, but that's all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Then let's talk a little about the, about the NAU game. Um, there no box score for this one, but I was able to kind of read through the write-up that they put together. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that popped out to me was the fact that um, the defense, the Wildcats got down early, 20 to six, you know, early in that game. And that, that deficit was really kind of the, that was the hill that they just weren't able to quite they climb and get back into the game, right? Like that early, that early deficit just really made all the difference. I mean, how did you guys see that? Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things, especially playing catch up against um, Northern Arizona, playing catch up for State. Um, we kind of talked about it earlier with, they're the worst three-point shooting team in, in the big sky. And one of the big things that factors into that is that when you can't when you can't take the three, when you're, you're not able to catch up from three, you have to catch it by two, which takes a lot longer. You know, you're running offensive plays that run for, you know, almost the shot clock rather than something that could go for around seconds. There's one of the things where they play slow basketball. They're designed to play slow, slow basketball. And when they go down and they can't catch it from three, they're in trouble. Yeah. Brooke, thoughts on that lumberjack defense that kind of created that early deficit? Wildcats were able to kind of get close a couple of times, but uh, never quite able to get over that hump. So I don't want to be one of those people, but I thought the refing was terrible. Sure. <laughs> and we've seen games like that this season, right? Like, even though the Wildcats won that Montana game that you and I went to, it was refed abysmally. Like, my yeah. goodness, it was awful. So I did find on NAU's website some box score stuff, and they were 28 of 41 on free throws. 41 attempts? Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, that's just egregious. Like, are you serious? Like, are they really playing that much more aggressively? Because, you know, a thing that I was going to bring up was the fact that, you know, we had two Wildcats foul out in this one, two really key Wildcats. And so, uh, and they were um, Emma Torbert. And then I think Darren Hickok also fouled out yeah Darren yeah. and ultimately fouled out of the game and three other four uh, three other players had four fouls each yeah know, so. it was it was bad and it wasn't consistent they were calling you know ticky tack things against Weber and not the same kind of stuff on NAU and at times I'd look at the foul count and it would be like Weber five 
and an NAU one or two. And then it would like, they'd call a couple fouls to get Weber close, you know, NAU a little closer, but it was, but most of the fouls called were on shooting and it just, it was a mess. I thought. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Simon, how how do you feel that, that refereeing? I mean, because 41 attempts at the line is a lot. And like, this is something that I saw the same thing in the SUU game was the refing was questionable. Like there was stuff that I'm like, um, well, like, that? yeah, right. That's one of the things too. It's like, you know, you see, you see Torber go out with a technical foul right there and you see right by it. Like that's, you know, that's the Wildcats. Jaden Matthews, that's the Wildcats. Um, anytime a team has, you know, over 15, because they had 15 more free throw attempts than the Wildcats right there. You know, we just got to think, like, this is clearly a lopsided game as far as, you know, where the fouls were going to. Well, and I think especially, you know, we've talked about this, right? And and Simon, you mentioned earlier here in the show that, that this squad, this Weaver State squad, is a, go- a forward-driven group of ladies, right? And mm-hmm. so they like to play in the front court. They like to play around the basket. That's who they've been all season. And so you mean to tell me that all of a sudden – that's not effective in the post and that, you know, the moves that have been effective against other teams and, you know, teams that the Wildcats have beat down low, just, they just aren't fouls anymore. The NEU is just so good at not fouling. And right. then all of a sudden, you know, the Wildcats who do play an aggressive form of defense, you know, we've seen, we've seen Darren Hickok and others foul out a number of times this season because of the brand of defense that the, Wild, the Wildcats play, which is aggressive. Right. But like that gives them opportunities because, you know, anybody knows that good, Good, solid, hard-nosed defense creates opportunities offensively, especially on the fast break. I mean, you mean to tell me that it was just ratcheted up so much that it warranted 41 attempts? Come on. And that's what makes me like. The refs will always see the bigger players as more. They'll, they'll always pay a little bit more attention to that. Like, they'll always... You see the Jazz and Rudy Gobert. You will always get a little bit more attention from the refs. Um, and it's like, you know, it's because they have to play a little bit more aggressive. They have to get inside, and it's two things where people see contact, and then right there they they call the foul. So, yeah, and we've talked about that on the men's side as well. You know, with players like Dante Bassett and Jabril Bello up at Montana State, players that don't players with with that kind of size don't usually play in the Big Sky, right? Like they are they are outsized uh, men to be playing in the Big Sky, and you know normally you're going to see more guys like Bodie Hume. Uh, players like that are more the kinds of centers that you would see in the big sky. Right. And so the big sky is not used to having to play guys like them in the post. And so they're just strong, right? Like, and and I would include Emma, Emma Torbert in that category. You know, she's really strong when she goes to the basket. And sometimes because the other teams don't have that size or strength in the post to deal with her game, you know, they're all offensive foul. It's like, they're in the restricted area, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear offensive foul, you know, because there have been a number of those against her this season. It's like, really? That? So yep. I think the size and strength within the conference, um, definitely a contributing factor to a lot of the fouls. But also, like we said, just, I guess, I don't know, man. This one just really out of hand. 41 attempts is just absolutely mind boggling. Yeah. And then it seemed like um, when Emma did foul out and Darren, it just kind of killed any little hope they had. It just, Corey, attempted a few threes. It just, I don't know, any little hope they had of trying to get back and win just kind of ended with her falling out. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of, of scoring, you know, and kind of that, that hole that, you know, Darren and and Emma fouling out created uh, because we know their offensive production is key to this team. 
Um, Darren ended up scoring 26 in spite of fouling out and Corey scored 19. Um, And so one of the things that I'm thinking here is if we can continue to see that production, plus what Jaden Matthews does around the basket, along with what we know Emma Torbert can do both inside the paint, plus her ability to stretch the floor as a five who can shoot the three pretty well. I mean, at this point, I have to look up the stats and uh, maybe I'll do that right now. But I mean, she has to be shooting above 33%. That's my guess because she has been really, really effective at choosing the shots that she wants and, and knocking them down. And so looking now at Emma Torbert, she's currently shooting 40% from three, Mm. which is just absolutely bonkers. It is for a player like her, right? Like you don't (laughs) see, you don't see a lot of players uh, with her size and strength in the post and the ability to stretch the floor like that. Right. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I looked at it wrong. She's shooting 40% from the floor. 28% 28% from three. Wow. So a little bit rough on the, on the three side, but like I said, you know, you're getting 28 threes a game and some of those are clutch threes, right? Like that Sac state three. I mean, yes, yeah. that was big. And, and you can, you can, she's, she's shown that she can do stretch the floor that way. And so I think that offensively, if Emma Torbert is able to do what she does. Plus, you know, the, the resurgence of Corey Penser and consistent play of Darren Hickok and Jade Matthews. Um, maybe the Wildcats have a chance against Idaho because Idaho has been like, I would say we'll talk about this in just a second, but Idaho is probably the worst matchup. I think for the Wildcats from what we've seen so far this season. Yeah. Unfortunately. I love that. You know, she's able to do this season. It's 28%. Like we're to go over 20% from the three and you're, you know, looking forward or kind of that center position. You're automatically a little bit more of a threat right there. Like defenses have to scheme for Emma Torber. We've seen it recently in that NU game. Like they were scheming for Emma Torber and Darren Hickok, and um, that's what I love about it is that you know they have to find out new ways to to play her. So, yeah. Well, folks, any final thoughts on the Northern Arizona game before we move on to Big Sky Bracketology? No. None? All right. <laughs> Yeah, at least it'd be one of the green teams. Yes, sir. <laughs> Actually, you know, uh, one thing that I we'll talk about this here in the bracketology thing, but uh, um, the other green team, Sac State, Wildcats beat them twice this year. They're a five seed. Kind of, kind of crazy. And uh, so, yeah, the, the Wildcats beat both green teams. Uh, they swept both of them this season. So that's awesome. And they yeah. beat Sac State last year too. Their only two wins was against Sac State. So both both wins against Sac. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. Coach Coach V and staff really know how to scheme for uh, Sac State, and they just seem to put it on them. So like like that, <laughs> really like that. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the bracket now. We're going to put it up on the screen, uh, folks. If you're listening to the podcast uh, in your podcast feed, unfortunately, you don't get the benefit of seeing this. But if you're watching the video on social media right now, you can see the bracket as it stands today. And um, right now, the Wildcats, like we said, locked into the 10 seed. Um, they can't go any lower than that because Portland State is 0-16. And, and so that's not going to happen. The Wildcats will not go any lower. Um, but it would take some something special for them to go up. And so right now, Wildcats would be playing on Monday at 530 Mountain. Uh, that would be the second game of the tournament. Um, they would face number seven, Idaho. Um, if they, you know, if for some, somehow they were able to move up to nine, they would play in the first game, which would be against Northern Colorado. Um, so, okay. So we've got Wildcats currently in the 10th spot. They take on Idaho on Monday. Like we said, um, 
I mentioned this a second ago. I mean, this is tough. I mean, the Vandals have not, they've been probably one of the toughest teams that the Wildcats have played. And the Vandals are weird because they've been really up and down. They've had some really bad games and they've had some really good games. How do you like this matchup? There's a few things that I like about it, kind of a lot of things that I don't like about it. Um, number one, Idaho is number one three-pointers made. And the Wildcats have a little bit of a tricky time defending against the three. Um, they play that. Um, it was especially the beginning season we see um, we see Coach B playing like a soft man and something that was um, pretty loose, but played a little bit like his own. Like you could get it easily mistaken as that. Um, but for some reason, like the, the guarding around the three just isn't, hasn't been up to par. Um, that's one of the things, especially with that NAU game, um, that they, they weren't really able to defend well. I mean, like, you know, it's not a ton of threes, five for 11, but that's still. You know, it's still wrapped up 15 points. Um, that's one of the things that I, um, I have a really hard time with here is that um, if they're able to get it on from three, Wildcats always have a hard time catching up. Uh, that's one of the things. It's just the Wildcats can't match their three-point shooting output. So, Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a concern, right? Because we've seen a few times where Wildcats go up against a team that does shoot the three well. Um, I, I would say that the game in, in Ogden was this way, right? Like they, they hit the, that Idaho goes on that run. They hit what they got 15, three pointers. And one of those was, you know, was a foul that they got three from the line, but like that 15 0 run, all three pointers essentially put the game out of reach for the Wildcats in the fourth quarter. And so I, I hear you as, as that's definitely a concern where like the Wildcats are not a great three point shooting team. It's not a key part of their strategy. They want to play the ball inside. They want high percentage shots. And so if you fall behind trading twos for threes, it can lead to um, an issue. One of the things, just pulling up the stats right now uh, around the three-pointer, I mean, even though Idaho leads the conference in three-pointers made, they've made 224 in 26 games. They are they are only shooting 30%. That puts them at seven in the conference. And so, you know, they're just uh, just slightly above the Wildcats when it comes to shooting the three and Northern Arizona is actually the top when it comes to the percentage, they just haven't, haven't made as many uh, and, or taken as many attempts. But I look at that and I, and I guess I have some hope to say like, okay, the Wildcats right now are a, a middling team when it comes to guarding the three They're they're keeping teams to about 31%. So it's like, if you can just do a job of keeping Idaho to their average and not let them go on a 15 0 run on you in the fourth quarter, <laughs> Uh, you could be in it, right? Brooke, what about you? Thoughts on the on the matchup uh, against Idaho? Yeah, I agree. I think the three-point shooting of Idaho is a little worrisome, especially because that's what's killed the other games against Weber. So, and it, it wasn't um, their first game up in Moscow. Their were Weber's worst loss of the yeah. season. So kind of, kind of a little worried about that. But hey, anybody can be beat it on any day. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that was that was tough. I, I don't know what the deal was with Moscow this season, man, but just not kind to the Wildcats, uh, the men, men losing their game up there as well to a, a not great Idaho team uh, who just shot the lights out of the gym that night. But um, I, I would say I think a thing to watch against Idaho here is also that Idaho is the worst. They are the worst team in the conference at allowing rebounds, right? So they currently allow an average of 42 rebounds a game. 
Uh, oh. Wildcats, we know, are a very good rebounding team. Um, they are currently averaging 36 rebounds a game. And so there could be some wiggle right there. If the Wildcats, as we know, are a team that likes to play around the basket, if Jaden Matthews and Emma Torbert and even Darren Hickok can get going and get, uh, you know, scoop up a few more of those rebounds, I think there's an opportunity, especially if maybe Idaho gets a little hot and starts hitting some of those threes, creating more opportunities by crashing the boards, I think will be critical if they find themselves in that situation. Right, it's true. Like there's there's no player I'd rather have playing against a team that's not going to defend the rebound very well than Jake Matthews. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, she absolutely cleans the glass. Yeah. So if if Idaho is going to be you know one of the one of the, the worst teams at it, um, then yeah, like we want to we want to see it. Um, so there's a there's a little bit of wiggle here, and um, and so we, we said we would talk about this. If Iwo, Iwo has two games, now the Eastern Washington is no, the number nine seed. They are ahead of the Wildcats. Currently, as the standings sit, Eastern Washington sits at six and 12 in conference play. The Wildcats are six and 13 in conference play. Um, and so, you know, just slightly ahead, but Eastern Washington has two games that remain. They have, uh, I think they have to do the Portland, Northern Arizona roadie. And so they have to play Portland State and then they have to play Northern Arizona, I believe, on Friday or on Saturday. So what do you think folks should Eastern Washington lose those two games? They would end the season at six and 14. Should the Wildcats win in Cedar city on Saturday, which is a tall order because SU is the third best team in the conference They're 12 and six. They're a good team, but we've seen the Wildcats beat just about all of these top teams. They beat Montana state. They beat Montana. They beat Sac state. Um, do you think in that rare scenario the Wildcats would then bump up to the to the ninth seed and face Northern Colorado and find themselves on the other side of the bracket. How, how do you feel about the odds of that happening? I don't think they're very good. I think that's one of those things. Like, I think Eastern Washington can handle Portland State, and that's the biggest problem. I think they're going to handle. I would love to see Weber State beat the Birds, and I think we can do it. Like I honestly do. Like last game, we probably should have won, and uh, yeah, we go overtime. Yep, one and over. I think it was just some like late last minute free throws. Um, and I remember interviewing Coach V after that, or one of my reporters was, and he was so mad about the way that they defended that game time three. He was like super mad about it. Um, but one of the things is like, um, I'm going to pull up the graphic again real quick in the bracket. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So here, so here's what it looks like on the opposite side of the bracket, which we didn't talk as much about. Yes. Is that they got to play Northern Colorado instead of Idaho? Um, That's a very favorable matchup, I think, for the Wildcats. It is, yep, yeah. yeah. I think I think there's a definite chance that we could handle Northern Colorado a little bit better. And there's just a few things that kind of have me there. Um, for one thing, uh, Northern Colorado isn't as good of a three point shooting team, um, and that's kind of one of the things that we brought up. Um, and um, I think we can kind of. It's one of those games that I feel like we can get a little bit closer with, you know, where I don't beat us so bad last time. Um, it's always one of those things where you get you get those pregame jitters, you get those uh, just a little bit down when you have to play a team that beats you by 21 points um, in Northern Colorado playing. I think it's a little more favorable. So I'd love to see it happen. I'd love to see them get up to that nine spot. Unfortunately, I think Eastern Washington is probably going to handle Portland State. Um, but you never know. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, the thing that I see here is like, should that happen? And should the Wildcats somehow find their way up to the nine seed? You play Northern Colorado at number eight. Um, and, you know, there's a chance, like I said, that they could beat them. I mean, they had the game iced and Greeley just, you know, free throws late in the game ended up costing them and then they lose in overtime. But uh, then you would go on to face the number one seed in Idaho State. I mean, the Wildcats, Idaho State beats the Wildcats on a buzzer beater in Ogden. Um, they don't have the same luck up at, up at Reed gym, but I mean, it just kind of goes to show that like it can happen. Idaho, it's not invincible. Um, they can be beat. And, uh, if you knock off the one seat, all bets are off at that point. But I mean, <laughs> like we said, the odds that they find their, them, their selves, themselves on that side of the bracket are kind of bad because Portland state is very unlikely to beat Eastern Washington. And so, and, the, and Eastern would need to lose two in order for the Wildcats to have a chance at the nine seed. Brooke, thoughts on, uh, thoughts on the eight, the 10, nine potential. Yeah, I think you guys covered it. I don't, I'd love for that to happen, but I think Eastern Washington will beat Portland state probably pretty handedly. And then who just, and then, I mean, I don't, then I don't think it'll matter. I think you guys pretty covered it. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it looks like Idaho is it. And so, you know, focus on them. What do they do well? What do they not do well? Where can you exploit some of those weaknesses and try and get a dub against a team that has, you know, beat you twice this season, you know, and really, really shot the three well against you. Um, So let's talk about the next step then, you know, because, you know, Coach V and her staff, you know, they will no doubt be kind of game planning and they've shown that they can they can down good teams this season. Um, should the Wildcats find their way through the Vandals, they would face Montana State. Uh, Darian White and team have done a, a really good job this season. They find themselves the number two seed with a first round bye. Um, but the Wildcats have beaten the the Bobcats this season. They beat them in Ogden. They also beat the Grizz in Ogden. Um, they've shown that, yeah, they can beat, you know, these top tier teams. And so um, Montana State has, you know, faltered a little bit of late. They've lost some 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 big games. Um, they don't look invincible either. That's which is what makes this whole situation intriguing for you all. Should the Wildcats find their way through Idaho and face the Bobcats in the second round? How are you feeling about that matchup? I like this one. I even like this one a little bit better than playing Idaho. Like I, I really do. Like even though Montana State is a little bit more talented. I think it's one of those things where the Wildcats match up against Montana State a little bit better. And we kind of saw that during that last game. You know, we were able to lock them down from three, which was awesome. Um, had a pretty rough free throw percentage against them with that 12 and 15, but it's a low amount of free throws the Wildcats normally offer teams. Um, and so that's one of those things that I think, like, they play big too. And so it's it's a game that is a little bit more favorable to that even matchup. Um, when you're playing inside O State, you have to change up your game plan a lot more. And Montana State is a little bit sorry, no, not Idaho State. And um, Montana State is a little bit more of the head-to-head battle. And that's what I like a lot um, compared to compared to even Idaho. Um, I would really like to see this matchup because the Wildcats are really give a run for their money. Yeah, because one thing I'm looking at here, uh, it's a good point, man. Uh, they are a they are a team that likes to play big. Um, they're number one in the conference when it comes to. Um, sorry, where did I just I just saw it? Uh, they were one of the best teams in the conference when it came to um, three three pointers made. So they're a team that likes to spread the floor out. They average 
7.1 made threes a game. Um, they're a great free throw shooting team, right? They, they have 551 attempts. The next closest, you know, Weber State at 566, just ahead of them. But after that, nobody's even in the neighborhood. So these two teams are really, really similar. Um, Wildcats have made just four less free throws than they have with, you know, 15 more attempts. And so really similar styles. Uh, they're a team that obviously likes to get opponents in foul trouble. Um, and they like to get to the line. Um, but then I look at rebounds and I say, okay. And then once again, Wildcats are neck and neck with them. You know, Montana state's the number four best rebounding team. The Wildcats are number five. And, uh, but the, the opportunity I think that exists is Montana state on the opponent's rebounding side, not as good. They're not as good at defending the paint. Um, they're, they're giving up 39.4 rebounds a game. Whereas the Wildcats are holding teams just 33.4 per game. So there's an opportunity there for the Wildcats to use that size that we've talked about. Um, but one thing that you have to watch out for, they are a team that loves to crash the offensive glass. They are number two in the conference at that and so, I mean, a lot of front court play there, but of course, like we said, they have the ability to spread the floor. Um, and they, I, I, watching Darian, I watched Darian White play a couple of times. We watched her play last season. I feel like she's a player that likes to slash to the basket. Very, very JJ Overton ish. I mean, would you would you both agree with that, or, or uh, how how do you see her and Darian White's impact for that Montana Bobcats team? I think this is one of my this is one of the things that I really like about their last matchup that they had. Um, was that Darian White is a phenomenal player. Um, it, she scored 29 in that game. Um, but one of the things is that I really like about it, unlike what every other team has been doing against Darian White and trying to lock her down, they just tried to lock her down, down everybody around around her right there. You know, you see only one of those players gets double digits, you know? And that's yeah. one of those things where if you're able to lock down everything around Darian White, she's going to... Like, if you just try to lock in her, she's going to beat you, and the rest of the team's going to beat you. But if you just let her go through and then kind of lock down everybody else, you got you got them in trouble. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen that with uh, people have used that against the Wildcats in the Jarek Harding days, right? Where they said, okay, we'll let Jarek Harding feast, but we're going to shut down Cody John and Zach Braxton and Brakot Chapman. And then we're going to we're gonna dare Jarek Harding to beat us. And a lot of times it didn't work. Rick, what are your thoughts about, you know, the Wildcats potentially facing up with Montana State and uh, how you see that matchup? Yeah, I agree. I like the Montana State matchup a lot better than Idaho, just with how the other two games have gone against them. And like you guys said, Darian, she is obviously good, but she's kind of one of those sneaky players where it's like, yeah, she's getting points. And then like when they, they were here, I was like, holy crap, when, when did she get the 29 points? Like she kind of is one of those sneaky point getters, but I like that matchup a lot better than Idaho, just with how Weber seems to play against the, the big, the better teams. I, I definitely agree. I, I'd rather play Montana state than Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and it's, it's sort of weird to hear us say that because we're talking about the number two team in the conference <laughs> right now, right? Like a very yeah. good team and a team that was in, in first place for a good, a good chunk of the conference season until mm -hmm. Idaho state found their legs and uh, took the ground yeah. back. Uh, as yeah. the reigning champions. And their um, little skid kind of is why I also would like to play them too. They kind of, I mean, they're still obviously good, but a little bit of a skid. <laughs> so I, I, you know, you know, looking away from the Wildcats here for just a second, the other side of the bracket, like we said, has Idaho state is the one seed. They would face the winner of Northern Colorado and Eastern Washington. 
And then Montana gets Sac State. Sac State's a weird team because they lost both games to the Wildcats. Uh, but they come in as the fifth seed to face Montana, who has had their issues as well. They've been a bit inconsistent, even though they did just beat the women, uh, the Lady Grizz on, or uh, they just beat the the Lady Bobcats on Saturday, I think it was. Um, and so, how do you see that side of the bracket shaking out? Let's let's bring it up just one more time for for everybody at home to kind of take a peek. So, the winner of Northern Colorado and Eastern Washington faces Idaho State, Montana, Sacramento, Sac State. How do you see that semifinal shaking out? Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things that I um, – I think Montana has a really good postseason program. Um, we kind of talked about it on the as well. Um, we're really going to handle Sac State a little bit better. Um, and so I think if you see Montana and probably – Idaho State get over to that, you know, that semifinals right there. Um, I honestly, like, Eastern Washington playing against Idaho State is, is a good match with Wells and Colorado. Um, but I honestly don't think either of those teams are going to have that, that night to really go go up and, and take on Idaho State like that. Um, so I think we'll have Idaho State versus Montana semifinals. And it's hard to say who comes out on top of that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get back to you on that one. I don't, I don't know if it's really very well. <laughs> sure, sure. I don't know, Brooke. What about you? How, how, who do you see? You know, kind of making it through and, and and matching up on that side of the bracket for the semifinal. I think it'll be Idaho State and Montana. Yeah. I, that Montana Sac State game will be interesting, but I think in the end, Montana will come out on top. Yeah, because one thing to think about there with uh, the Montana um, Sac State. Sac State is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. They shoot 33.9%, almost 34%. Montana is one of the best teams in the conference at defending the three-point. They hold teams at 28.4. Sac State mm-hmm. has not been absolutely dynamite. They've been they've been good enough to get a five seed, but they haven't been absolutely dynamite. And so uh, that combined with the fact that Montana really loves to crash the boards. They lead the conference in rebounding, 41.6, whereas Sac State is near the bottom at 34.4. I mean, Sac State gives up a lot of rebounds going against a team that already crashes the boards really, really well. Combine that with the fact that, you know, Montana defends the the three-point line really, really well, and Sac State may not be able to find their offense because of it. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, another thing to consider, Sac State is the number two, you know, team in terms of field goal percentage in the conference. Montana is the number one team at defending and so it's just like it's it's defense versus offense. It's defense versus offense. Montana has the number one defense in the conference. Sac State's defense overall is down at number seven. I think that creates problems overall for the Hornets. And I think yeah. Montana, you know, walks away with the win and faces Idaho State in the semifinal. So last question, folks, before we wrap up wrap up our bracketology here, who do you think the conference champion is going to be? Oh, that's a tricky one. I uh, I think Montana State has a really good shot at it. Um, I think that's one of those things that you definitely see kind of shine in players like Darian White. Um, is that you know you have this junior who's killing it, and you get juniors and seniors first off in tournament. That that's who you want in there. Is you want those skilled juniors and seniors, these team leaders. Um, because at the end of the day, you can win. You can win regular season games. But the, that playoff time really comes when you have that experience of those positions right there. Um, I think she's going to be able to lead your team through. I think she's going to have a fantastic run. 
um, and just really like come out as kind of the desire in this um, in this tournament. Brooke, what about you? Oh, I want to say either Idaho State or Montana, but well, let's go with Idaho State and a one seed. <laughs> Sure, right, and they, and they've been yeah. like it's it's mm-hmm. it's not hard to say Idaho State because honestly that's the way I'm leaning right now. Like if I were to pick gun to the head, who Colby, who do you yeah. think is going to be the conference? It's probably Idaho State. The, the interesting thing is that they don't, you know, looking through the stats, it's not like they have somebody that really jumps off the page. Is like yeah. that's the person, right? Like we've talked about the impact of Darian White for the for the Bobcats, uh, but when when you look at scoring, I mean Idaho State doesn't have anybody in the top ten. You know, the Wildcats mm-hmm. have. Pro, more folks, you know, Darren Hickok at number two, then Emma Jade Matthews at 10, Emma Torbert at 11, before you see Tamika Whitman at 12, you know, before. And so it's like, it's weird that, you know, this team who is the number one seed, they don't, they don't just like pop out. They don't have like one particular player who just absolutely dominates, but they've got enough players bunched together, you know, and rebounding Callie Bourne, Tamika Whitman once again. At, at number 10 in the conference in rebounds. Like it's just, it's interesting that they're a team that does so well when you don't see their names, you know, Liana Tillman is probably, you know, one of the most effective players in the conference, right? She leads the conference in scoring. She leads the conference in assists. Like I could definitely see her, you know, getting conference player of the year. Um, she's really, really good that way but I don't think the Sac State has what it takes. So it's sort of the reverse of that, right? Where it's like, it's a good team, but nobody really stands out because they play as such a complete unit. That leads me to believe that it's going to be Idaho State because when the when the chips are down, it's not just on one person, it's on the whole team. And that bodes well if somebody's off, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's going to be an Idaho State-Montana State final. And um, I don't know, man. If I'm If I'm picking... Uh, if, if, if it's between Montana State and Idaho State. Um, oh, man. I think I'm, I'm going to pick Idaho. They're the number three defense in, in the conference. Montana State's the number three offense. Defense wins championships, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's our. I think we're going to see a, a, a back-to-back for, for the, the Lady Bengals to the, to the dance again. <laughs> Well, all right, man. Let's uh, let's look at the upcoming schedule. Uh, not not much left. There's a game on Friday, March fourth. Wildcats are taking the trip down to Cedar City to play the play the Birds just one last time in March as they exit the conference after this season. So that game will be at six thirty p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. Uh, and then after that, they will be playing on Monday. It looks like as it sits right now, like we said, they will be playing Monday at five thirty to take on the Vandals unless something crazy happens. Um, but it looks like as it sits right now, I mean, the Vandals tied at 10 and eight. I mean, with uh, there's a, there's a log jam right there between, for the five, six, seven seed. Um, so there could be something that moves. Uh, you might see Sac State fall all the way to the seven seed. I mean, I don't know. We're, we're assuming that it's Idaho right now, but anything could happen in that final, uh, that final week. So we'll see how five, six, seven shake out, but the rest is, Pretty firm, I think. Um, you know, maybe Eastern bumps up in Northern Colorado Falls at, at 7-11, but Wildcats, I think, are pretty well locked in at the 10 seat. So we'll see what happens. All right, um, wrap up the show. 
email us weaver state weekly gmail.com facebook instagram twitter patreon and uh, check out the blog uh brooke minnick i want to thank you and simon mortensen from the signpost so much for taking some time to chat with us here on weaver state weekly always appreciate ch- chatting women's hoops with you both <laughs> and so i'll wrap the show like i usually do weaver state weaver state great 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 go wildcats <laughs>